patrons! Uh, it's me, Rose, and this is the bonus episode for yesterday's episode of Flash Forward. I am, look how on time I am right now. It's Wednesday. The show came out yesterday. Great. Um, thank you to everyone who said that you do listen. You just were kind and didn't want to bother me about the bonus podcast. <laughs> um, I do try to keep up on the schedule that I promised you because you are paying me money uh, or donating. So, you know, I figure you should probably get what you pay for. Um, so on today's bonus episode, you will hear a full cut of the teens debating um, algorithms and algorithmic bias and who should be punished when an algorithm messes something up. Um, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about the current state of Flash Forward, the schedule for the rest of the year, the kind of future plans, what's going on. Um, then I will share a few things that I cut from the episode. Uh, including a story about a robot buying drugs on the internet. Um, and as always, we will end with a little secret. Okay, um, let's just get right into it. Here are the teens. Here is their full conversation. Um, isn't it technically all of our faults? Because everyone in this party is guilty of this woman's death because the creator created this program. The hospital allowed it in, to be in a position of power that gave it power over someone's life or death. Right, that's my point. So, isn't everyone at fault here? Shouldn't everyone get punished for this? Should, so... But not the creator. Yeah, go ahead, Arthur. An algorithm, it, I mean, this is my own personal opinion, an algorithm should never take away emotion from a person, because, like, emotions is what makes us make decisions. And this algorithm is programmed beyond because of our choices. So this is because other things like this have happened. This is because people with serious diseases have become low-priority members of society. Charlie? Uh, was this algorithm designed in line with the morals laid out by the Hippocratic Oath? And remind us of the, of the Hippocratic Oath. Um, the, the main idea is to do no harm. It's the oath that doctors take before being sworn in as doctors taken from... I'm not going to go into the Greek mythology, never mind. But thank you, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. David? Um, I was going to say, shoot, what was I going to say? I was trying to think of what the Hippocratic Oath was, and I really <laughs> forgot what I was going to say. It was something about algorithms, I'm sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, if you think of it just to the Yeah, right, all right. Save is, is going to ask uh, Is question. it okay to sell an algorithm that could put people in situations like this where they could end up dead? Well, I think I think this algorithm was for the hospital specifically. So like the algorithm came with the hospital. I don't think that I think this is all something that they decided upon that because algorithms are used to try and achieve the best possible outcome for everyone. And um, yeah, I do think it was it was a very it, it did it did mean the difference between life and death for a lot of people but I think they were fully aware of that and I think I believe that they did what they could <laughs> yeah okay so in that case is it okay to continue to use this algorithm mm, I don't know if that's for me to say but um I if they are able to find a better way to manage the lives of these patients, I think yes. But until then, I think that if this is what, if this is how like the hospital succeeds and like the pa and how most of the patients like get better, 
then I think they should continue until they find a better solution. Okay, David, do you remember what you're gonna I remember what I was gonna say. Um, uh, what I was gonna say is, like, uh, one thing that, like, has to remember, it was a point that you brought up earlier, Ava, uh, and, like, yo, what it should have, when you said, like, yo, what it should have said is why it should say this because of this, and then a human moderator could, like, choose, like, oh, should we really put it? Should we agree with the algorithm? But I think that, like, from what I can tell from this case, the reason that the algorithm's there is because it's a very, like, busy hospital. Like, all the workers, the people that would be the human moderators are all doing stuff. They're all busy. They're doing those operations. They're saving these lives. And so this algorithm is there so that a human doesn't have to be. So if you had someone there to, like, look over what all the algorithms said, it would sort of defeat the purpose of having that algorithm there in the first place. If you don't have time to save someone's life, I think you should be transferred to No, but that's hospital. the thing, is because they're 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 not having time to save someone's life because they're saving more other people they're saving more people's lives like in the other room. They're saving more lives um, instead of uh, using their time to uh, check the algorithm. So I think yeah it is it does have the trust in the algorithm which you have to say like figure out like yeah is it more valuable to like either trust the algorithm you have more time for like the, the people or have some more someone else like moderating so what it is. you're saying it's okay to put all our trust into machines? Well, <laughs> a lot of people do that. I already. mean, yeah, a lot of people yeah. do put their trust in machines. If this machine has been well coded and if it knows about these things, then yes, it is okay to put our trust in these machines. Well, I don't think we should be, we should put our trust in these machines, especially if uh, it's such a big f factor like life or death. It's, it is life or death, but in this situation, if you think about it, what probably happened is the machine probably saved more lives. The bot did diagnose her accurately. Yes, and it probably, and, and since it can, it can do all these things, since it can, uh, it can like comprehend like, okay, what's gonna do, what the bot did is it gave the, the probability of, most pe of saving the most lives. Charlie? Um, who's to say that the hospital didn't have enough resources to also tend to this lady while tending to other patients? Well, I think that, like, in this situation, it seems like a type of situation where the hospital doesn't have enough resources. Because if it does, the algorithm, would, the algorithm would probably know that, and therefore it would put it in a high-priority group. Exactly. It seems like it's at a hospital where they're really busy at that time, they don't have enough resources, and that's why the algorithm realized that and realized that it would save more lives if they put that person in a low-priority group. You save more lives instead of saving, instead of spending all your resources on one life that will probably die anyway. Wouldn't it yeah. be better if the algorithm, instead of putting her in a low priority group, if the hospital is full, wouldn't it be better if they just transferred her to another hospital? That yeah, was but yeah. Also, they and chose to go to that hospital. And but all that, they exactly. probably didn't know about the hospital. Also, it says that they died within a few hours. I don't know if they could have transferred her. I mean, yes, the algorithm probably has some reworkings. Probably they should have transferred it. But also, they did say they died. They died like quickly. Like I don't. I don't know if a transfer would have been possible. If it is, then yeah, the algorithm probably needs some tweaking. But I don't think it's a reason to completely like devalue like the entire like algorithm or the entire like things of algorithms just because you should probably tweak this to give more information. If, if you're going to go to a hospital though for something that dangerous, you should probably know stuff about that hospital. Also, if you're going to a hospital, go to one that you trust. 
that you've been there but before and you know maybe about. she didn't no, have enough time. We're not holding the hospital responsible. We're holding the coders. Yeah, I know if that, but you should know the al sorry. You should know the algorithm about the hospital. If you're going to a hospital, you expect treatment. Yeah. So what this what I think should have happened is that this person went to the hospital because they were in pain or they knew they had a serious medical condition and they thought that they were going to get help and they did not get help, which means that the hospital failed on their duty because of this algorithm. That they trusted. Yes. And also putting uh, AI or an algorithm in a point of power over human life is a very slippery road because then we start saying who can live and who can die. And that And that's as he said, breaking the Hippocratic oath. Yeah, because that's yeah. that's just wrong. It's also the family's choice to pull the plug. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. You, this has been a very, very lively debate. You got the entire oh. class involved. That's evil. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not evil if it's debate, remember. You, I'm, I'm looking around, I'm very proud of you all. I see future lawyers uh, in, in my midst, in our midst here, all of you. So thank you so much for your uh, wonderful- we're not that smart. <laughs> yes. Nah. Yes, we are. Great, 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 great. And um, yeah, please get home safely, everyone. It's pouring rain out there. Grab your umbrellas, make sure you- It was a nice between the drops. I enjoy the rain. <laughs> yes, rain is lovely. Well then, enjoy it. Soak it in. I'm nervous and I have anxiety. You guys did great. All right. Nice job. Thank you. So I have heard from a couple of listeners that they do not like these teen debaters. Um, and this has kind of actually been like a common theme for these mini seasons that I've been doing. Um, like some percent of listeners just don't like the intro setup each time. And because of the way that I'm doing these, it means that if you don't like the intro setup for a mini season, you have to listen to something that you don't like five times in a row. So some people hated the snow globe. Other people were annoyed by the friends doing their update call from the body season. And now some other set of people dislike the teens. Um, and I always knew that this was like kind of a, a risk of doing these mini seasons. Um, this mini season format was like really an experiment. And before I decided to do it, I laid out kind of like the pros and cons. Um, and the potential pros were that like maybe I could get a sponsor to sponsor an entire mini season so I could sell like a whole like five episode package to some sponsor. Um, and the other reason I wanted to try to do it, aside from it kind of being fun and a challenge narratively, was that, um, you know, when you have a show that's just like on and just keeps keeps coming out, <laughs> it's hard sometimes to generate publicity for it. And I thought that maybe if I did these themed mini seasons, it would be easier to kind of like get coverage or get attention or get publicity for each little mini season. Um, neither of those potential pros have happened. And in fact, like only the negative, the possible negative things that could have happened during, in making this change have happened, um, which is that people who don't like the intro scenes sort of skip out on all five episodes um, because the show is less regular. It's coming out in these like weird five week spurts. Um, people are kind of abandoning the show. And I'm seeing that like in the numbers, um, the numbers of number of listeners is really down this year compared to last year. Um, and I'm hearing from folks who don't like the mini episodes, like the little mini season intros. Um, so it's kind of a bummer for me because I was like really excited about linking up all the intros for each of the episodes in the mini season. Um, it's like a really fun challenge for me. It lets me develop characters over five episodes and it kind of is like narratively more ambitious and more exciting. 
Um, so it's kind of a bummer to realize that it's having like an actual negative impact on the show and that like enough people dislike it that they are leaving the show and not listening anymore. Um, and like, yes, to some extent, you know, it's my show and I can do what I want and I can kind of do the things that I find interesting, but that's like not really true, right? Like if the show loses more listeners, then advertisers will leave and it becomes even harder to kind of sell ads on the show and it becomes essentially financially unsustainable. So I can't like actually just do whatever I want. Um, so yeah, so the mini season schedule is set for the rest of the year and I've sold ads on some of the next mini season episodes. So the schedule itself is not going to change. Um, the fall mini season is going to be around the theme of power. Um, and that starts on November 5th and then runs through the first week of December. Um, but I am probably not going to do the linked up intros for the fall mini season. They'll just be different every time like they used to be on the show. And then next year, I will go back to doing a different future every other week and kind of a random intro every time. So basically, this experiment kind of failed, <laughs> which sort of sucks. Um, and is like a little sad for me, um, because I really thought that maybe um, it would be like the, the next step in the show's evolution. And it was going to be kind of like this cool thing. Um, and that like didn't happen, which sucks. <laughs> um, and I, I'm not going to lie. I've been like kind of bummed out about it for the past couple weeks. Um, and so like every time a listener sends me a note being like, I don't like these intros, it's like worse every time because I've been so bummed about it and kind of like sad. Um, but you know what? Like you live and you learn. Um, I tried it. It didn't work. Um, you know, the nice thing about going back to the every other week situation is that like these mini seasons are way more work than the every other week situation. So, you know, like it'll be easier for me to make, um, to make the show, uh, the old way. Um, it is kind of a bummer when like you try something really ambitious and that you think is good and like people don't like it. Um, so that's kind of sad, but you know, here we are. Um, and I'm just going to keep on, keep it on and keep, keep making the show. So, um, so yeah, that's, um, that's the update on the show and sort of like what the future of the show holds. Hopefully when I go back to the other schedule and back to the old way, people will come back and come back to listening to it. I hope. I don't know. Um, okay. that I'm going to move on from that bummer note. Um, and I'm going to talk about what I cut from the episode. So most of the stuff I cut from the episode was just like kind of a long monologue of other cases that might be relevant to the legal questions here. Um, so like right now, you know, we talked about how there are no real rules about how a lot of these like AI systems should be used, can be used, when they should sort of supplant a human decision maker, when they shouldn't, and then, you know, who is responsible, right, if they go wrong. And we talked about um, like a healthcare example, because I think that's like a really interesting place to talk about, um, in part because those algorithms exist and are in use um, and are kind of being developed and sort of it's like a thing in the world. Um, but also because there are these interesting questions of, you know, medical malpractice and, and all that stuff. Um, but I want to kind of talk outside about a couple of examples outside of healthcare. So um, in 2014, um, an artist, a group of artists built an algorithm called the Random Darknet Shopper. So every Wednesday, the system would get $100 worth of Bitcoins and it would like set off into the digital mall of the Agora Market, which was a darknet marketplace that no longer exists, but it did exist at the time. Um, and the algorithm would just like purchase a random item within its price range and have it shipped to the studio that these artists had in Switzerland. And like, this is a very dumb algorithm, right? It just like goes in, finds a random object that is within the, under the $100, you know, mark and buys it and then has it shipped. It's like not smart. Um, 
But it is kind of interesting because there's no human behind this. There's no human sort of like thinking about what to buy. It's just completely automated. So in the end, this algorithm bought 12 items, um, everything from like a pair of Air Jordan sneakers to 10 ecstasy pills to a scanned copy of a Hungarian passport. Um, And the artists behind the project took each of these items and they put them in a gallery, kind of like showcasing the purchases of this algorithm. Um, The project started in October of 2014, and it ran smoothly until January of 2015, when the Swiss police raided the artist's studio and arrested, in quotes, the algorithm. Like, obviously, they didn't, like, you can't arrest an algorithm, but they did seize the computer that was doing the purchasing and all the stuff that it had bought. Um, And there was this question at the time of, like, were these artists going to be charged with a crime of any kind? Um, Ultimately, no one was charged with any crimes uh, here. Um, A couple of months later, the computer was released back to the artists along with 11 of the 12 items. Uh, can you guess which is the one that did not make it out of police custody? If you guessed the ecstasy, you are correct. <laughs> not that surprising, right? Um, and like at the time, this is 2014, this got a lot of attention because it kind of was this really interesting case of like a computer kind of committing a crime, right? Doing this dark net shopping, buying potentially stolen or, or like illicit or illegal objects and items. Um, I actually covered this story at the time for BBC Future. I was writing a column there for a while. Um, and one of the people that I interviewed for that story was a guy named Burkhard Schaefer. Um, and he likened these systems, these algorithmic systems to dogs, basically. Like even though, you know, you take your dog out into the world. And like, you can't necessarily control every single action that your dog takes, but you're still kind of like responsible for your dog not hurting somebody, right? If you have a dog that like has a history of biting children and you bring it to a children's birthday party and let it loose, like, yes, you are responsible for the damage that is caused. Don't do that, by the way. Um, I mean, like you can't sue the dog, right? You can't take the dog to court, just like you can't sue an algorithm, but you can kind of hold the person who owns that dog responsible. Um, And this like, I think, this analogy kind of makes sense up to a point, but it starts to kind of fall apart when you start to think about the specifics, like many analogies, right? Like dogs are generally owned by like a person or maybe like two or three people, right? A small number of people. Um, Algorithms are often the result of lots and lots of people, right? A whole team, a giant company. So like who among those like thousands potentially of people who touched the creation and deployment um, of this algorithm, like who who is the dog owner in this context? Like it's kind of unclear. And that's the, that's the question that I was trying to get at in this episode. You know, some people um, have responded to this episode being like, well, obviously the people who like deployed the algorithm are the ones to blame, but it's like who specifically, right? Because like, you, you know, is it the whole hospital? Is it the doctor specifically? Is it like the company that developed the algorithm and maybe didn't test it correctly? Like all of those detail questions are kind of like still open questions. Um, another case of a sort of like algorithmic system going awry and kind of causing problems uh, happened in Australia. Um, so this is something called the RoboDebt system in Australia. So if you are in Australia, you've definitely heard of this. And if you, even if you aren't, like I had heard of this before working on this episode, it's kind of like a thing that's been ongoing. Um, so here's the basic gist. And like, you know, this is just a basic overview, but the basic gist was that 
Australia had this system called RoboDebt where they basically had a computer compare people's reported income on their taxes with what their employer reported. So the whole point here is to basically make sure that people aren't getting more than they are entitled to from the government. And if they are getting more, that the government was going to like collect that money back. So the automated parts of this system were in place for a long time. Um, but in 2016, the government stopped having human beings review the debt collection letters before they went out, basically to make sure that the computer had gotten it right. Um, and the result of that was basically just like chaos. So before 2016, the system was sending out about like 20,000 collection letters every year. And then after the humans were removed from the process, it was sending 20,000 letters a week. Um, and like a lot of them were wrong. They were confusing. Like there were just lots and lots of mistakes. And the fallout from this system is still playing out three years later. So there are still big questions about like what is going to happen. And there are still people who are, have been impacted by this, you know, years later. So that is still ongoing of like, you know, algorithmic chaos. Um, and even like super rich people are not immune from being bamboozled by an algorithm. So another case that I was going to talk about on the episode and that I cut for time was that in May of this year, a Hong Kong investor sued a salesman who had convinced him to put a huge chunk of his money into what is basically like a robot hedge fund. So the system makes trades based on analyzing data. Um, it manages money using just AI, right? Like no humans are involved. It's just a computer. Um, and this guy named Samathar Lee Kin Khan entrusted money to this AI banker, basically. Um, and he gave them like a lot of money, like $2.5 billion with a B dollars, um, which is like so much money to begin with. Not even like all the money he has. He's like a bazillionaire, but that's like a lot of money. Um, and and uh, it turns out that this robotic, you know, trader thing, algorithmic trading thing, it did not work out. Um, and the algorithm wound up losing money pretty regularly. Um, and in fact, on one particular day in February, uh, in just 24 hours, the system lost this guy $20 million dollars. Which again, just like the scale here is kind of like blowing my mind. But anyway, Lee is now suing the man who sold him on this supercomputer, basically for allegedly overstating the power and success of this system. Um, and that lawsuit is ongoing. So it actually kind of remains to be seen how it will play out. So, it, you know, can you be held liable for selling a system, you know, and saying that it can do X, Y, and Z things when maybe it can't or it can? Like, I think there's still to be determined what's going to happen with that case. Um so those are some of the cases that I was going to talk about on the episode that I cut um, because it was already kind of long. Um, and so that is um, that is the stuff you did not hear. Um, what else are we going to talk about on this bonus podcast? Let me look at my list of things that I promised you. Oh, that's it. <laughs> that's all I have for you. For the bonus podcast, we did the teens. We talked about the state of Flash Forward. We talked about these bo like things I cut. Um, okay, so we're at the part at the end when I tell you a secret. Um, oh, okay. Here's my secret. Um, it's not like a super secret because I just tweeted about it today, but maybe you don't follow me on Twitter and that's fine. It's really probably better if you don't. Um, I'm working on a young adult novel, which I had been, have been working on all year, um, in, on and off, but I hadn't really like admitted that that was what it was. Cause I was just trying to like do creative writing, right? Like I like, I like writing things. I like writing fiction. So I've been kind of, I do this thing this is going to sound very cheesy, but I do this thing called Morning Pages, which if you're familiar with a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, um, it's kind of this like 
a little bit like woo-woo book about creativity and like unlocking your creative spirit or whatever it is. Um, and it's like very rightfully uh, sort of like mocked, I think, in general. But at the same time, I love it and I have done it before. And it's basically like a, a certain number of weeks program to kind of like help get you back into the mode of creativity. And one of the things that she says that she recommends is this thing called morning pages. So every morning you just handwrite three pages in a notebook or on a piece of paper or whatever. And it can kind of be about anything. It's just like to kind of get yourself going, clear your mind. You know, you can complain about what you're mad about. You can like, you know, like talk about your annoying coworker. You can like, you know, write poems. You can do whatever you want. And a lot of it is about like kind of just clearing your brain so that when you actually sit down to work, you can like start instead of being kind of stuck in some weird place. So if you have any like venting, you need to do whatever it is. Um, and I sometimes use it for that. But a lot of the time what I try to use that for is to actually do a little bit of creative work. So um, a lot of the time I use it to brainstorm flash forward ideas or ideas for articles or whatever. And for the last like six months, I've been using it to try and chip away at this story that I've been working on. So like three pages, 300 pages at a time in the mornings, I've just been, you know, like scribbling it out. And then at the end of every week, I type up whatever I have. Um, and I finally like put it into Scrivener, which is the program I use to write long stuff. And then I broke it up into chapters and I have six chapters. But now that I've actually kind of admitted that I want this to be a young adult novel, which it took me a while to do, I thought I was like, oh, just like doing some like creative free writing in the morning. Um, now I have a goal where I want to try to get the first draft finished by the end of the year. Um, so yeah, so that's like what I'm hoping to do. I don't know. I've never really written, I've written fiction before, obviously, but I've never really written anything long like this before. Um, I have a very distinct memory of being a kid and writing a book, quote unquote, about a squirrel that was a hideaway on a pirate ship. And I got very ambitious about this book and I wrote it and I had no plan for where it was going to go. So I just kind of like things just like kept happening to this mouse or maybe it was a rat. I can't remember, but I'm sure my mom has this book somewhere. I should ask her about it. And then just like, I remember even at the time as a kid trying to like thinking like, I have no idea where the story is going and just being like, and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens. And it just like meanders around to nowhere and there's like no resolution. There's no arc. It just like doesn't make any sense. But I was a kid. Um, and I had just read The True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle by Avi, which was a very uh, formative book to me as a child. Um, anyway, I'm rambling now, but I'm working on this young adult novel. And, um, you know, hopefully it goes well. It's funny. I tweeted about it today. I had not yet told my, I have a book agent and I had not yet told my book agent about this because I hadn't again, like admitted to myself that it was in fact a thing I might potentially try to like publish. Um, so I tweeted a joke about this young adult novel and I got an email from my agent being like, I'm looking forward to reading it, <laughs> which is both terrifying and exciting. So that's my secret. Um, that's it. That's all I have for you. Have a great rest of your week, patrons. Um, and thank you so much for listening to these bonus podcasts that are very rambly and I still don't quite know what to do with. Okay. Bye.